1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box.
2: NYC,
1: this is CNBC Control Two.
0: CNBC's essential morning show. PCT Two. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics.
1: All right, we're coming to it next.
0: Today on Squawk Pod, Carlos Ghosn speaks.
1: I am innocent of all the charges, all of them, and I can prove it now.
0: The ousted chief of Nissan-Renault his animated self-defense at an unprecedented conference in Lebanon.
1: I was left with no other choice but to protect myself and my family. It was a difficult decision and a risk one only takes if resigned to the impossibility of a fair trial.
0: Plus, analysis from CNBC reporter Robert Frank exclusively on this podcast.
3: Justice is different for the wealthy versus everyone else.
0: I am CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins
3: right after this. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
0: This is SquawkPod from CNBC. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Squawk
4: Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
0: Carlos Ghosn. Remember him? The ousted Nissan leader who escaped house arrest in Japan and fled to Lebanon in a stereo case drilled with air holes? Thought you might. Today, he held a press conference in Beirut emphatically defending his decision to skip out on bail, which, in his view, was not a flight from justice, rather it was an escape from injustice in the room as he stood at the podium around 100 news outlets from around the world, including the American media and, of course, the Japanese, all there by invitation. there's easily more than 100 reporters, 122
1: uh, outlets are requested to be here.
0: A quick recap of Ghosn's journey to Lebanon. He was arrested in Japan in November of 2018 on charges of financial misconduct while at the helm of Nissan Renault. Within a week, he was fired from Nissan, within two months he was out at Renault, and he was kept in a cell in Japan for months until he was granted bail in March of 2019. And just days before the new year 2020, Carlos Ghosn fled the country in that stereo case I mentioned before. So around 3 p.m. local time today, Carlos Ghosn walked confidently into a room buzzing with photographers and reporters in Beirut, Lebanon. He stood at a podium in front of a projected screen of prepared materials and passionately delivered. His first public remarks in more than 400 days.
1: As you can imagine, today is a very important day for me.
0: And boy, did he break his silence. Carlos Ghosn spoke for over two hours. He actually spoke through the end of our TV broadcast, Squawk Box. But Joe, Becky, and Andrew were able to digest some of Ghosn's comments before our program ended. Here's Becky kicking off that analysis.
4: All right, we've been listening to Carlos Ghosn breaking his silence, and that is uh, no exaggeration. Join Joining us right now with reaction to what he's been saying is Mike Santoli. We're also joined by Jeff Sonnenfeld, the senior associate dean for leadership studies at Yale School of Management and a CNBC contributor, Joshua Dreytel, a criminal defense lawyer with extradition experience, and in Chicago, Phil LeBeau. Jeff, I'll start with you. Did he improve his case by what he said today?
2: Uh, Clearly, uh, he could have used a little time with some public relations training. He's clearing his gut. He's trying to, uh, in a cathartic way, get revenge out there, which is understandable. And he's made the point that he's never received the money and there could have been board clearance uh, on this. And he didn't get a chance to address the charges. But going on at this length and not uh, being a chan- again, you know, giving the media a chance to address it, it, it feels a little more like a filibuster than he would want, as we're not getting to the escape path, which is what uh, the media wants to talk about and he doesn't want to talk about. But it's understandable uh, emotionally, uh, it's just not as effective.
4: In, in terms of what happens next, uh, Josh, as somebody who knows extradition policy here, he looks like he's pretty safe where he is in Lebanon. What happens outside of Lebanon's borders? Though?
5: That's risky for him, particularly after today, uh, in the sense that there's no contrition about his departure, uh, even though he, he's making a case for it being an injustice. Other countries don't necessarily want that to be the standard for criminal defendants to make decisions in that regard, and I understand that France, I've read that France has an investigation going as well, even though he's a citizen of France, so for him to cross any border at this point would be very risky for him, and it's a kind of a scorched earth presentation today in that it doesn't necessarily set the table for a resolution of the charges in Japan, which he would have great leverage now, not being in the jurisdiction, he would have significant negotiating power to to reach a resolution, but that doesn't seem to be on his mind. Right. And, it, and it puts the Japanese in a more difficult position to capitulate to him to after today. To not respond and, yeah. and
4: to, to not pursue, continue to pursue this Correct. case. Uh, Phil, Josh is right in terms of scorched earth. He, he's named names of individuals yep. both at Nissan and in some cases in the prosecutors and other places where he says that these are the people who have wronged me, not to mention the media smear that he's been talking about for some time, too. Um, I don't know, one what, what of the instances, we still haven't gotten all of his thoughts yet on where Nissan, Renault, and Mitsubishi stand today, but he did make the point that those stocks have gone down 35% since oh, yeah. his incarceration.
1: Yeah, and if you look at shares of Nissan, you can see it. I mean, it's, it's a clear decline, and, and let's be honest, that relationship between Nissan, Renault, and Mitsubishi, it is fragile at best. It may fall apart. I think if the Japanese prosecutors do not engage then this becomes one of those situations where Carlos Ghosn can say, look, I have X, Y, and Z in terms of documents, in terms of this is what was done that was was incorrect or was misinterpreted. But if Japan doesn't engage, it's sort of a one-sided fight. And I'm not sure, Becky, how effective that will be towards the, the end goal, which is rehabilitating his image. And Jeff also makes the point off the top. Most of the media who are there... They're there, even though they have agreed, you know, I mean, this is not open ended. Not everybody under the moon could come into this press conference. They're not hearing what they want to hear, which is how did you get out of this country? And how could you have orchestrated this on your own? And he's made it clear. He is not going to go into uh, the details of that.
4: Mike, it's uh, it's bruising. He did take on a lot of uh, the injustices that he felt like he dealt with under the Japanese uh, justice system. And I, sure. I do have to say, when you're talking about 99.4 um, percent of... Of, of people actually being found guilty at, uh, at the end. That does raise questions. That was probably what was mo- most empathetic about what happened from the very start with this. Not right. sure he helping it's just case Right. It's just unclear
5: today. as to whether he's going to have, you know, the standing and the sway to create some kind of international scrutiny of the, the Japanese criminal justice system. I mean, what's the play here except to, I guess, in, in a public relations way, get get some uh, endorsement? Although I do think that, in the time since his arrest his premise is i was the savior of nissan i was the only person who could hold this kind of tenuous alliance together three companies maybe that was true for a while but i do think there's been a reevaluation of his management style mm-hmm. and in fact of his uh, of his strategy at nissan which is going for volume over everything else so i'm not even sure that he's he's won that premise which is that he was the only guy who could have done
4: that. Josh, you did mention Greg Kelly, uh, his colleague who is still in prison in Japan. He said we can't forget his ordeal. He's being punished because he's honorable and refused to go along with the sham plea bargain that uh, Carlos Ghosn called it. Uh, but w- what what is his fate at this point?
5: He's still subject to the prosecution, although it may make it easier for him to negotiate a resolution. That would be more favorable to him, given that Ghosn is... No longer available, but also it could i don 't know whether he feels betrayed or whether or not now he 's in a position to assist the
2: prosecution with respect to to go and could make a different kind of deal well, on that we do have uh, of course legitimate medical uh, considerations that released him from prison, and his condition hasn 't gotten better, and he was he was arrested and some would say abducted when he already was on the mm-hmm. on the edge of surgery, uh, as so they could come out with an some you know uh, escape that way, uh, some some release that way uh, and similarly, his wife has a cachet of emails that are quite exonerating, uh, at least the, the way they're reported that show that the board knew a lot more and that he never and that Carlos go never received the, this money.
4: Uh, Jeff, he is still speaking. What, what does he need to do in the rest of the time where he's talking to the media at this point? What would you like to hear, assuming we're not going to hear anything about the escape?
2: Well, he, he's got he's to explain these charges. Uh, he's danced around them. There's a, a home in, uh, in, in Lebanon. There's you know, a home in Beirut, Beirut, a home in Brazil, uh, and, and things like that. We need to understand uh, what was the proper use of shareholder resources. And he, he has an explanation of the bonuses he never received.
0: After our TV broadcast, Gone did not stop talking and neither did we. I caught up with CNBC wealth reporter Robert Frank to debrief on the briefing and on what's next for Gone's freedom, his finances, and so much more.
3: I mean, he was so well-spoken. He was passionate. He was clear. He spoke in at least three languages, probably four or five. <laughs> And you know, he didn't talk about the one thing we all want to know about, which is his great escape. And that that is something that to this day fascinates me more than any other part of the story. He laid out a very clear and well-documented case for why these charges against him in Japan are false, why the Japanese legal system is rigged, why he felt like rather than breaking the law by fleeing justice, he said, I am escaping injustice and rather than living his life in a cell. In Japan he is now living his life in what many say is a larger cell in Beirut because it's unclear whether he can actually go anywhere outside of Beirut, at least in the short term. But he was very convincing. He was very likable. Um, He was the all-star CEO that we know Carlos Ghosn has become. And he's determined to fight for his legacy.
0: You, you got a sense that Carlos Ghosn has talked to hardly anybody in the last 13, 14 months because he spoke for hours today and it seemed like every thought, every uh, fear, every sort of um, justification he'd had came tumbling right out.
3: Yeah, and it's fortunate. I mean, One of the broader things that interests me in the case is how justice is different for the wealthy versus everyone else. And so how many people A can escape a developed country like Japan, which is really hard. And B have a press conference with over a hundred reporters and millions of viewers around the world then listen to your case. Probably more people paid attention to today than they have reading the charges and the leaks from the Japanese prosecution before that. And again that just speaks to his power, his charisma and his wealth. It's unclear to me what his net worth is. But let's say that of the $140 million that he was supposedly making or will have made at Nissan, let's say he received a portion of that. Let's say his estimates right now are between $100 and $200 million of his current net worth. This escape plan costs something like $20 million.
0: Oh, my God. Really?
3: To get him out. That's the estimate. Wow. You think about it. It took at least 10 to 15 people to do it. It took at least three months. They spent three months, a team of about 10 people, making 30 trips in and out of Japan to find the one airport that had a security screening glitch where their x-ray machine was too small to fit large equipment. So they found this one airport outside of Osaka where they could get in a big audio box, fit him inside, and they knew that that airport had a vulnerability and that they could get through. And then you put them on a $60 million plane. That flight alone is a $300,000 flight, then the flight into Beirut. I mean, the amount of people and money and logistics involved in doing this was incredible. And that's based on what we know without having heard from him at all. I'm sure there are other, I mean, he didn't have access to a phone or email for months. so. How did he send a signal to somebody to start this whole ball rolling and this whole Ocean's Eleven sort of type escape had to have been done by this guy, Michael Taylor, who's a former Green Beret who who helps wealthy people and companies extract people from situations. There's this whole industry among the wealthy of extraction. Hmm. If you're a wealthy family and you're on vacation somewhere, there's a hurricane, they'll help get you out. That's the bottom line. The The other extreme of that is if you're caught by the law, if you if you break the law and you need to get out, they'll help you do that too. So there's this whole industry that exists for the wealthy to get you out of a bad situation. And this was the most extreme. I'm sure Michael Taylor, the guy who orchestrated this, will use this as as marketing for decades. Carlos Ghosn joins a long list of rich fugitives who have escaped justice. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's, in the U.S., we had Mark Rich who was a uh, energy and oils trader who traded with Iran back in the 80s when you weren't allowed to. He then fled the U.S. to Switzerland, lived out his life, and then started a big company there and you know, basically led a prosperous life after that. Then you have Joe... He was
0: pardoned then.
3: He was, right. he was then pardoned by Clinton. That's right. Um, then you have Joe Lo, who was a Malaysian Chinese who helped embezzle a billion dollars from the 1MDB Malaysian Sovereign Wealth Fund, he they can't find him even though they're in talks with him now about some kind of deal but they're selling his yacht, they're selling his huge art collection and yet they can't find him. Um, and then you have Vijay Malia of India who was the beer king in India who is in London now avoiding extradition to India. So these are all these cases where if you're rich enough and you're charged and you feel you're you're wrongly charged, which most people do regardless of whether you're rich or not, <laughs> You can fight it. You can escape. You can be in hiding while these talks continue. And I just think, again, it's this example of how the rich can experience justice in a slightly different way than the rest of us.
0: The rich are not like us. No. Carlos Ghosn is unusual in that he's a citizen of three different countries, ran a company that was based in two different countries. What's sort of the long implication for the modern CEO who is jet-setting, who's global, who's working across jurisdictions?
3: I think the lesson here is you have to be sensitive to cultural norms and cultural fears and cultural biases. He knew that combining these two companies would be would make him loved in France and hated in Japan. I think he underestimated the degree to which Japanese executives could influence prosecutors in Japan and therefore get political help to file these charges against him. And in Japan, once charges are filed, it's a 99.4% prosecution rate. So he had zero chance, especially for foreigners, to defend himself. So I I think he underestimated how offended the Japanese would be by combining these companies, by Nissan losing its autonomy, and then politically and structurally how Japan can then fight back against him in a way that I just think he underestimated. He never thought, we'll just put you in jail and you'll stay there the rest of your life for doing this.
0: One question I had for you is about Carol Ghosn, uh, Carlos Gone's wife, who's an American citizen and was seen in the room today in the press conference. We know his movements are probably going to stay pretty close to home in Beirut, but what about Carol?
3: Well, that's why he was very careful today and even before today to say that none of his family members, none of his friends, in fact, no one, he said, helped him do this. They were very that was the one thing he will say about this great escape is that none of his family and friends helped. It's a little hard to believe that, but it's easy to understand why he would not want to implicate any of them or anyone period in the escape and I think that will allow her, at least now no charges have been filed against her. There's no sense that trials that charges will be filed against her and for now, she's free to go wherever she wants. I suspect she'll stay close to Beirut and Lebanon for now, but uh, but she's not been charged and, and he wants to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. And she has been his most vocal advocate. Uh, she has done a lot for him with the press. She's done a lot for him with governments as sort of the face of Carlos Ghosn while he's been through this trouble. And I suspect she'll continue to fill that role. And I would suspect it's, it's likely she could do some interviews in the U.S. Again, with, with a guy like Carlos Ghosn, what matters is not the money. What matters is the legacy. What matters is on his Wikipedia page, when people look back at Carlos Ghosn, they want him to be the auto pioneer who turned around all these companies, who was a great CEO. And these charges he wants to be a postscript and, and that is what is the most important thing for him. And it's hard for regular people like you and I to understand that because look, he's, he's going to have a comfortable life. He lives in the $30 million mansion in Lebanon. That's not a bad life to live the rest of your life. What eats at him every day, what matters most is his legacy and how he will be remembered. And that's where I think Carol and Carlos will spend the rest of their lives.
6: See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business.
0: Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 Upstream Methane Intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. We're back. You're listening to Squawk Fog. And that's the show for today. Thank you for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. But if you like what you hear on this podcast subscribe to squawk pod it's free on spotify google play apple podcasts stitcher wherever you listen you can find us and a big shout out to the entire squawk box production staff and our anchors for working on all cylinders at all hours literally to cover breaking and developing news stories like the one you heard today we'll meet you back here tomorrow
3: clear thanks guys
6: this podcast is supported by fedex